Well, it's fun to be able to sing songs together and just even have the opportunity to hear music like that song, the song Gratitude. One of my favorite recent songs. You think even about that bridge. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song because you've got a lion inside of your lungs. So get up and praise the Lord. You think about all the things that we're very bold about, all the things that we love to shout or sing or proclaim at the top of our lungs. Too often it's not, it's not praise to the Lord. Too often it's not a heart of gratitude or a mentality that has a desire to make him bigger in our lives. So many things that you can find yourself agitated about or shouting about, shouting out or proclaiming with your life, but what a convicting things, thing at times to think about, is it the right things? Are, are they the things that I ought to be proclaiming? As you even think about what you have to be grateful for, it's not just one time a year that you should have that kind of mentality as we're coming up on a day before Thanksgiving, decided, you know, over time it became a holiday. Eventually it became a national holiday. It became something that people started to observe on a specific day. And the truth of the matter is that attitude of gratitude should describe any Christian that's counting their blessings, like we saying, count your blessings, name them one by one. In fact, that's a message I'm working on for Sunday, counting your blessings. But as you think about if you were to really think about your blessings, think how blessed you've been. The truth is that, and you were to count them, this recent song on the radio nowadays, and I know it's not for everyone, but a modern song that's been out just the last couple of weeks, the song says, when I when I really think about or I, I lean into, I, I think about or consider the details, more of your goodness I find. So it says, Father, on this side of heaven, I know I will run out of time, but I will keep counting my blessings knowing I can't count that high. And you think about that hook. Well, easy to, easy to say, but a lot harder to really internalize that and have that perspective and that mentality that says, like our song of the month, I'm so blessed. In spite of the things that aren't wonderful and aren't great in my life, I'm so blessed. And the more that I look in the details, the more of your goodness I find, and that's a fact. Now, whether we're doing it or not, totally separate issue. But in any event, we'll touch more on that on Sunday before we get going here tonight with our devotion, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us, starting with a provision of a remedy or a rescue plan that would deal with our fallen state, that would redeem us out of the bondage that we were in to the penalty of sin and even the power of sin's influence over our lives, and that when we were hopeless and helpless and hellbound, you looked down at us in our time of need knowing that we were, had nothing to offer you, nothing that we could do to earn your grace, but you loved us anyway and graciously made possible a way for us to be redeemed, to be made right with you, 
not on the basis of what we could do for you, but on the basis of what you and your love would be willing to do for us through the sacrifice of your son, your death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf. Pray that we would start there as we think about what we have to be thankful for and we would move on from there to having a mentality that is observant and aware of and can appreciate the many different blessings that you've given us beyond that, the opportunity to live life with you, to enjoy fellowship with you, to provide for our every need, your presence in our life, your direction in our life, the contentment you can provide in our life, the peace that you offer through your spirit working in our life, even as we think about the joy that is available, the abundant joy that is available because of you and all that you do for us, how we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and how you've given us hope a future even to look forward to, hope for today and hope for tomorrow and that you've made it possible for this life to be a very fulfilling and rewarding life which would have otherwise been completely impossible apart from you. So thank you for all of those blessings. Lord, pray that we could appreciate them and see them for what they are each and every day that we're alive as we go through life with, again, a posture and an attitude that is counting our blessings and a, a spirit and a mentality that has an attitude of gratitude for all that you do for us and continue to do for us and promise to do for us in the future. Thank you for all those things, Lord. Pray for this time together that we'd even be grateful for the people that you've put in our lives, the fellow believers that you put in our lives, this opportunity to gather in a local church and have fellowship together, even the meal that you've provided for us to share afterwards. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you do and all that you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of tonight's devotion is Abundance, Generosity, and Thanksgiving. Abundance, Generosity, and Thanksgiving. And part of why I ended up coming up with this devotion or thinking about this devotion is twofold. One, I was looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to look at that in a bit. The second reason was, as you think about Thanksgiving, an image popped into my mind, something that I, you see often associated with Thanksgiving, and it's, a, it's, a, it's become a symbol of Thanksgiving, and it's called a cornucopia. Now, kids, raise your hands if you've ever heard of a horn of plenty or a cornucopia. Okay, we've got a couple. Okay, good, awesome. A couple of you, uh, two out of, call it 50, not bad. Uh, but a cornucopia is this horn-looking kind of a thing, usually in a basket form nowadays, that's got vegetables and fruits and, and flowers at times kind of spilling out the front of it. And that cornucopia, that horn of plenty as it's otherwise known, it originates in Greek and Roman times, frankly mythology is where it comes from, and over time it became a symbol of inexhaustible abundance inexhaustible abundance and bountiful harvest. Inexhaustible abundance and bountiful har harvest. It consists of, again, this horn-shaped basket filled with fruits, vegetables, nuts, flowers, those kinds of things. Sometimes as a project, even in art class, in a school setting, sometimes young people would make a cornucopia. Now, it eventually became one of the most pop popular decorations associated with Thanksgiving. There's no particular evidence that a cornucopia was present with the pilgrims celebrating the early Thanksgivings, though nearly every picture you would see or graphic illustration of that would show one present in the pictures. But over time, it did become sort of a centerpiece of many Thanksgiving tables and those kinds of things. Now, you ask, what does that have to do with anything? Nothing other than this idea of generosity, this idea of abundance, 
that I want to talk about today as we think about Thanksgiving, this inexhaustible abundance. And it's interesting that the Bible directly links abundance with generosity. So if you're following these three terms we're looking at here tonight, abundance, generosity, and thanksgiving, they one flows into the next and the next leads to, to the last. So abundance is directly linked with generosity and in turn generosity is directly linked with thanksgiving. Now, of course, the believer realizes that all of this starts and ends with God who is the source of abundance, He's the promoter of generosity, and he's the recipient of thanksgiving. So as we think about these three terms, God is the source of abundance. He's the promoter of generosity. That's the response that he wants us to have. We'll see that in a moment. And he's the recipient, then the rightful recipient of our thanksgiving. Now, there's other people you could thank and direct thanksgiving to, but in the concept of God's abundance and God's provision and what God has done in our lives, that's where he's the recipient of that thanksgiving. So let's look at one illustrative passage that bears out this principle that these three things are connected. We're in, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you haven't gone there, we're going to turn there. I'll give you a second to do that. Brent was asking how many songs we should sing tonight. I said, well, you know, just see how enthusiastic they are, and we'll kind of go from there. I said, I only have an hour and ten minutes planned tonight. And he kind of looked at me and wondered about that uh, meal that we got going tonight. So I said, with those smells wafting in here, if I go 110, I think I'll be... uh, mobbed. So uh, I've got that in mind. I'm keeping that in mind. We'll, we'll try to move fairly quickly. But chapter 9, verse 8 is where we're going to start, Second Corinthians 9, 8. And we're going to skip 9, but well, we'll just read through it, but I'm not going to touch on it. And God is able to do what? He's able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have, here's our word, an abundance for what purpose? For every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his, righteous in, his righteousness endures forever. So what is every good work? It's giving to others. It's generosity is what's meant there by verse 9. Now verse 10, we'll pick up again. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, who's the source of abundance, God, and bread for food, who's the source of that provision, God, may he supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So when you've acted on that abundance through a generous spirit directed toward others, the, the prayer here is may God increase that. May he bring the harvest from that. Now verse 11, while you are enriched in everything, for what purpose? For liberality, that's a word for generosity, which causes then, it causes thanksgiving through us to God, meaning it causes or brings about thanksgiving as Paul takes that generosity and uses it to invest in the needs that other believers have. We'll touch on that in a second. Verse 12, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, so the administration of the service referring to the generous, the distribution of the generosity that is made from people's giving to the apostle Paul who's then spreading it out to the people in need. The administration of that service, it does two things. It not only supplies the needs of the saints, that's one, but it also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. It results in Thanksgiving being given to the one who deserves it, the one who provided the abundance to begin with. He motivated or led or encouraged us, if you will. He promoted, that was the word I used earlier, he promoted generosity. And then 
as a byproduct of that, he received, he was the recipient of the thanksgiving. So if you're already tuning out, those are the three words. That's sort of the takeaway. God is a source of abundance. He wants to promote generosity then in our lives towards others. And he's then the recipient of the thanksgiving that comes from that. Isn't that enough right there? That's a, that's a mouthful there, right? There's a bunch there to chew on. And so consider that. We'll dig into it just a little bit more. Now, what was the context of this passage? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but the context is that Paul is discussing the collection of money for fellow believers in Judea and Jerusalem. So he's writing to the Corinthian believers, but he's discussing this collection of money that is needed for fellow believers in Judea and Jerusalem. Now, why were they in need? Well, they were suffering under severe poverty brought about by the intense persecution that they were facing as a result of their willingness to be named as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because of their faith and their willingness to be known as a Christian, they felt the weight that came with that of intense persecution, which led to extreme poverty, which caused Paul to make those needs known to believers in Macedonia, believers here in Corinth, other believers that he then went and gathered this giving, these donations, if you will, that were intended to benefit the believers in Jerusalem when he went to Jerusalem. So that's sort of What's, what's happening here. Now, apparently, these particular believers in Corinth had previously communicated to Paul a desire and a willingness to help with a financial gift once they were aware of the needs of these other believers. So Paul is reminding them of that past commitment and asking them to move forward with the actual collection so that it would be ready to be sent when he came through or one of his representatives came through. So Paul reminds them of their previously stated interest in participating in this mission to attend to the needs of these other believers. But then he's very careful. Look at verse 6. He's careful to remind them of the benefit that the giver receives from giving. So he says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He's talking about uh, generosity investing in the well-being of others. Now, as he's talking, a lot of people may make this a purely a financial thing. That's not the intention of it at all. The full scheme of what it means or the full measure of what it means to reap bountifully has to do first and foremost with spiritual blessing and spiritual well-being that is associated to the giver by being a willing conduit for God to work through to meet the needs of others. It's better to give than to receive. And what does that come from? It comes from this idea that there's this understanding that you benefit from being in a position where you're used of or motivated to invest in the needs of others. Maybe some of you can relate to that, right? How you've felt or how much blessing you've had from just seeing God work through you to minister to others. I know I have. I distinctly remember a time in my life where I went from being more focused on receiving presents at Christmas to giving presents at Christmas. Now, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you avoid that altogether, but that wasn't true in my history. But I distinctly remember at some point in time, something switched where either one, 
I already knew what I would be getting, and it wasn't as exciting as it had been when I was younger. But I think it was more than that. I think eventually I had this desperate anticipation to see the faces of somebody I would give a gift to, knowing how much care and concern I had for them and how much I had invested in trying to get something that would really be something that would bring them joy. Can you relate to that? And that's what Paul's talking about here as he's talking about the beneficial side of giving. Then the other thing he ends with, he also reminds them that giving is to be done thoughtfully, intentionally, individually, willingly, and cheerfully. So read verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so he gives them those reminders. Now that's the, con the context that leads up to this discussion about now that I'm talking about giving and sacrificing of self for the needs of others, then he gets into how God is going to undertake to provide for that giving and to bring some harvest from that giving. So that brings us back to verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God's going to, if you have a heart that wants to have, you have a giving heart, a heart that wants to invest in others, do you not think that God will give you some provision that would it enable you to then make investments into people's lives? Do you, do you think that if your willingness ever manages to align with God's will for you, that God will forget to show up and provide the resources that are necessary for Him to utilize you in the very way that He desires to use you anyway? We're so goofy sometimes. We're one, we absolutely do not ever allow our willingness to align with God's will. And two, when we do, we doubt whether or not God could actually use that. That's all God's been waiting for. And He's an infinite God. So now, is he going to provide exactly the thing you thought that you wanted to utilize in order to minister to the needs of others? Is it going to be a purely financial thing? No. But if you have a heart that says, I want to invest in the well-being of others, and God says, I want you to love others like I loved you in a selfless and sacrificial way, do you think he'll give you some abundance to work with? Maybe it'll be an abundance of patience, Maybe it'll be an abundance of kindness and compassion. Maybe it'll be an abundance of time where you have the ability to go show up in somebody's life. Maybe it'll be an abundance of physical ability so that you physically are capable of helping somebody with something. Maybe it will be financial. Maybe it will be spiritual abundance where God is going to bless you with such understanding or joy or maybe he'll, he'll fill you with his goodness in such a way that you can spill some of that into another believer's life or another person's life in a way that benefits them with the abundance that God is blessing you with? What a fascinating idea though, huh? And so if you're going to summarize verse 8, you would say, and God will generously provide all that you need first and foremost. Then, as a result of that abundance that God will give you, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. 
plenty left over to share with others. That's the idea we're talking about here as we're thinking about God's abundance and what is it tied to. It's then tied to generosity. Generosity. Now let's look at verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, he's the one who's the abundant God, providing abundance in your life and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. What are the fruits of your righteousness? This spirit of generosity in this context. This spirit of generosity that you have, which in this context happens to be financial. So may God use that in a way where he brings the increase. He multiplies the harvest that comes from that. Is sort of the underlying idea. But what's presumed by verse 10? The attitude of verse 8 that you had a desire then to take the abundance and to utilize it in investing in others. So if we're going to summarize verse 10, we'd have, for God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources for with what purpose in mind? And then produce a great harvest of generosity through you. He'll produce the harvest of generosity through you due to your having that willingness. Now, isn't it true that often we have no interest in people? We're not, we don't have a love for people because we're not looking to the Lord. We're not enjoying the Lord. We're not walking by means of the Spirit. If we were, the first thing the Spirit of God would be producing in our life would be love, a love and compassion for others the way that He has compassion and love for others. So it starts there. I'm not looking in the right place. I'm not enjoying the Lord. I'm not being led and directed by the thinking of Jesus Christ. The mind of Christ isn't my mind. It's not my thinking. I don't have his vision. I don't have his purpose. I don't have his perspective. So that's lacking. But sometimes when it is present and he is directing in my life, isn't it true that the next place that I go off the rails is I start to then be obsessed and worried about the, the harvest and what, what's going to happen with it and I try to force some kind of an outcome from this willingness that I have. So something that was good to begin with, and I started out with a trusting posture, now all of a sudden I'm the one trying to work hard and bring it to some kind of a, an outcome or a objective that I have in mind. And I'm now obsessing about making something come from that investment. God doesn't need you to do that. God says, I'm the Lord of the harvest, not you. I'm, I'm faithful to bring a harvest from the seeds that are sown by your willingness to have the abundance in your life be used in a generous fashion for the benefit of others. That's all you need to worry about. And then just trust that I'm a God who wants to utilize your willingness to serve me in a way that will bring me honor and glory and will benefit you. Just trust that instead. So that's sort of the idea there of verse 10. Now verse 11. While you... So, and increase the fruits of your righteousness while this is true of you. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So here's where we start getting into this idea again of where does the abundance come from? God, for what purpose? Investing in others. With what outcome? The thanksgiving that is then directed to him. So if we're going to summarize verse 11 here, we'd say, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So follow the flow of thought again. While you are enriched, God gives you the abundance 
For the purpose of liberality, which is a synonym for having generosity or spirit of, a spirit of generosity, for the, for the investment in others, it's going to produce or cause thanksgiving for those who receive it, directed to who? Directed to God. Now, will they be thankful, thankful for the people who made the investment too? Yeah. But are we interested in bringing ourselves credit, getting ourselves glory, getting ourselves recognition and acknowledgement? Yes, we are, unfortunately. But should we be? No, we shouldn't be. What does Jesus say about that? The ones that give in public, give, give openly, they have their reward, which is the, they're, they're men pleasers. They have the, appraise, the praise of men, he says. They have their reward. It's worth nothing. It will have no eternal value, but they have their reward. They got what they wanted. They want people to think of them as a very kind and generous person. Their motives were not pure. What does he say about people who pray in public? Now, he's not saying you should never pray in public, by the way, but people who are praying in public for what reason? For what motivation? To be seen by others? He says they have their reward. Other people see that. But it has no lasting reward. So the idea here is God gives us abundance so we can be generous with others so they can thank him. They can recognize that God is the giver of all good things, that every good gift is from above. That's what we want their response to be as we invest in them. So we move on to the last verse here, verse 12. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but it also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. It creates many thanksgivings to God. So that's kind of how he finishes this thought. And, and if we're going to summarize it, we would say, so two good things will result from the ministry of giving, this generosity that you have. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. That's the focus of the context of this passage. And secondly, they will then joyfully express their thanks to God. So they go together. Abundance begets what? Generosity. Generosity begets thanksgiving. What a fun what a fun little thought to follow here tonight as we're thinking about, we're being intentional about a Thanksgiving gathering. We're looking at even an abundance of food that's provided by many of you who donated food and donated time and put efforts into it. Most of you will never be recognized for it. So in a sense, it's exactly what we're talking about here. Having a willing heart that wanted to invest in this shared meal that we're going to have tonight. You were given a list by email of things that would be needed. Many of you met those needs with donating various things. Now, I have no idea. I'm going to enjoy the food, but I'm not going to be able to thank you directly because I don't have any idea what you brought. But God's going to get the thanksgiving as we're able through the collective generosity of this body of believers, we're able to enjoy this meal together and do what? Lift up a song of thanksgiving to Jesus Christ, to the Lord, to God for his provision. Isn't that awesome? So what was the reason for the abundance in your life? Generosity toward others, ultimately resulting in thanksgiving. Remember that when you're thinking about all the excess and all the abundance that you truly have in your life, it wasn't just to make this temporal life a little bit easier. It wasn't intended first and foremost to be self-focused, to bring as much joy as you can to yourself. It was a gift that God gave you with an expectation and a hope and desire that you would invest it in his service. 
And the way you do that is by willing, being willing to invest in other people. And then who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we could spend in this passage. Thank you for your great love with which you loved us. Thank you for all of the abundance that you've provided in our life as you provide for our every need. You haven't missed anything. You haven't forgotten about anything. That you know exactly what we need and you've provided it. Pray that we would see that we're lacking nothing in our lives. And that even when it feels like things are missing, it's not things that we actually need because we have everything that we need. Pray that we would come back to what we do have and see how fully sufficient that is to undertake for the needs that we have. Pray that we would see all the rest of it as surplus and abundance that's intended to be used in a way that would bring you honor and glory as it should promote a spirit of generosity in us for the investment in you, which is done by investing in people, all for thanksgiving to be then lifted up to you and for your glory. Pray that that would be something that we are reminded of here as we celebrate this specific time of year. Pray for the food that's been given here. Thank you for the hard work that went into preparing it and all the willing donations that were made to provide it. Thank you for each and every one of those people and all of the people that are preparing it, all the people who gave it, all the people who are here to share it together. Pray that we'd have an enjoyable time of fellowship Pray that it would be a time that would ultimately encourage us, would lift us up, would get our focus even back on you, would help us to grow in our understanding, grow in our faith. Help our spirits to just be uh, rejoicing, though, in this opportunity to even be here tonight and enjoy each other and enjoy this meal and enjoy this fellowship and enjoy you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.